Hey, you busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. I don't know if I ever made you aware that I am literally a walking um, paradox, if you will. I'm just going to go ahead and say that. That I'm from New York, so I have that whatever you want to call it, but it's all things awesome, okay? And then it also, I never told you this, but because I don't rep it the way I should, but um, I have southern roots. Yeah, my grandmother is from Gaston, Alabama, and so I had the awesome trivia <laughs> of being a rude um, but well-mannered uh, child is what I would like to just summarize my upbringing as. As uh, you come in the house and you make sure you greet whomever, but you remember to flush the commode. What was commode? I had no idea, but I knew that she told me to flush it. And I just used context clues and remembered that this could possibly be referring to uh, a toilet, okay? Uh, but after speaking to you the other day about Hannah and just really looking at the way she handled Samuel you know I was I was in it I ain't gonna hold you I was excited I hung up the phone I'm like ah just super excited because you know when I get in that vein it's nothing you can do right but the thing that I overlooked that kept blaring out to me and the Holy Spirit wanted me to discuss is he was like I want you to go ahead and discuss table manners and I was like, well, what do you mean? He said, you know, when you're reading Hannah, you are getting excited, rightfully so, but you're missing out on a part that um, she didn't have to endure. And so I was like, hmm, time out. Oh, wait a minute. And when I tell you this is fresh off the press, kind of like real true brainstorming between Holy Spirit and now, like I, I'm letting you in on the inside back backstage kind of behind the scenes situation. And so I was like, you know what? I read usually in the NOT version. I want to go ahead and read in the NIV. So I want to go to 1 Samuel 1. Literally, I'm going to give it to you exactly the way the Holy Spirit gave it to me. And so I want to start from verse 2. So it's talking about, just give you a little bit of backdrop. This is what we're talking about, the birth of Samuel, right? And how that all came about. And Hannah and her husband and the second wife, Pania, and all of that. So let's go straight to verse 2 now. He had two wives. Talking about Hannah's husband. One was called Hannah and the other, Pania. Pania had children, but Hannah had none. Three. Year after year, this man went up from his hometown to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the God, of the Lord, rather. Four, whenever the day came for Elkna to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife, Pania, and to all her sons and daughters. Pause. I don't know how many kids this woman had, but it was enough to say, sir, she, she has children, okay? I don't know if you want to visualize magic school bus with it. I'm just, are we greyhounding it? Like, what do we, it's an Amtrak situation. Like, how do we need to go ahead and transport you and all your children, Pania? But that's fine. The Bible wanted you to know she had a, she had a couple, okay? A little blend of sons and daughters, five. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. Six, 
Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, he rival, her rival, kept provoking her in order to irritate her. <laughs> Seven, this went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Eight, her husband Elkna would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Nine, once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. Ten, in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. Pause there. Um, there's a couple of things in this that I think just reading in other translations or looking for other or receiving other revelations in that time that I haven't seen until this very moment. I wish that it didn't take however many years of torment and irritation and being provoked by her rival, as the Bible says, for Hannah to be provoked to actually open her mouth and say a prayer. I don't know how many years, but I know it was a couple of years too long because uh, it was enough for Pania to have a blend of sons and daughters, for her to have a multitude of children and to be able to be written down and documented in the living word as Hannah's rival. But what I really paid attention to is the fact that uh, the two words, Provoked and irritated. Six, because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. Can, can I ask you something? Uh, at the seat of the table of your life, is there anyone that knows what is sensitive to you, the secret thing that you wish God would do for you, the door that you wish he would open, the person you, you wish he would bring into your life, the finances you wish he would go ahead and bless you with? Is there anything that is sensitive to you that people at your seat, at your table of your life are not sensitive to? When you look and do a little, just a little surround sound, just do a little left, a little right situation. When you look at the people, those who have been voluntarily or just automatically strategically placed at the table of your life, who's seated there? And are they seated in a way that looks like they are provoking you to irritation when they should indeed be provoking you to pray a little different? Maybe if Hannah looked at Penny and was like, you know what, this is going to be the last year that you go ahead and irritate me, that you go ahead and taunt me for something that I cannot control. Because if God closed it, then the Bible already told us that no man can open that. So what you're not going to do is use against me what I know I have no control over. What I'm not going to do is go ahead and sit here and be emotional behind something that I have no say over. So what I'm going to go ahead and do, and when she finally decides, to do was change her emotion to a expectancy she changed her emotion to an expectancy but why did you wait so long to change it to that why did you allow this woman 
to even know that her glorified seat at your table of life was to irritate you, was to provoke you, was the nan and the boo-boo in the realm of your life. I have always been taught that you never let no one know that they're making you sweat. Whether it's at work, whatever it is, no one else should know the deep depths of you after you already seen how they mismanage you. No one should know how you feel about your parents, but yet they go ahead and rub that in your face when when you're when they're angry. No one should know what happened in your past relationships. And then you know what? It just in the heat of the moment, that's why such and such. Be very careful of people who know exactly the thing that is shackling you, but they are not sensitive enough for you. They're not sensitive enough to say, you know what? This particular situation is off limits. I, I don't care if Pania could have talked about Hannah's hair. She could have went ahead and talked about her stature. She could have went ahead and, and th- threw on the fact that, you know what, <laughs> you don't you do not do Elkner the way that I do Elkner. You could have did anything else. But what you chose to do was touch the sensitive parts of my soul to the point that you knew how to dismantle me. And when people that are sitting at your table that are seated at the table of your life, when they abuse their power in such a way, you better do what needs to be done to snatch it back. So every time I kept thinking about this particular story, I was like, man, Hannah, I'm upset that it took you so long to get up from the table. I'm upset that you allowed this woman to go ahead and be your glorified rival. I'm upset that Again, you allowed this woman to provoke you to emotional places when God was just trying to use that provoking for you to prayer for the birth of Samuel. What man uses to provoke you is always going to lead to an emotion. But God can use that provoking to get you in motion to the thing that he purposed you to have. Come on, Holy Spirit. (laughs) Do you understand that? You're always going to have a choice on how you're going to react with something that you are receiving. You don't have to like it for it to be used for your good. The Bible says that he will use all things. Romans 8.28, read your Bible. Hmm. He says that he will use all things. So whether it's your viral, whether it's being provoked, whether it's irritation, whether it's frustration, whether it's injustice, whether it's inequality, God knows how to use all of that. But is it provoking you to an emotional place or is it? provoking you to a place of opportunity. Thank God for Panea, perhaps. Because without your consistent provoking, I don't think Hannah would have ever had the courage or the gall to pray for Samuel. Thank God for Judas, as I said before, because he's the one that initiated Calvary. Oh, don't you dare despise those who are seated at your table just to be onlookers, just to be gossipers, just to be whisperers, just to be, oh, did you see? Oh, don't you feel, start to even try to feel like everybody that I'm, I help, they don't help me. And I don't treat such and such that way, but they treat me this way because we don't read that Hannah's going back and forth. Because let me explain something to you. It is clear that Hannah's not from New York, okay? Because Pania would have had two times tops. One time would have been a warning. Second time I'm shooting for everybody. Everything that that comes from it, ma'am, only because I'm from the concrete jungle. I walk with my Tims on with the wit. You understand? So the one time you would have tried to irritate me, I'm coming for your body shape. Hmm? 
you know, we, we don't gossip in these streets. But what you're not going to do is I'm going to pick a stretch mark and I'm going to talk about it and you're going to cry too. We both going to be at this table. Can you pass the butter? Leave me alone. You leave me alone. And we both going to be here. But what you're not going to do is have one up on me. Ma'am, I'm not a rapper, but we, we get ready to go in this cypher. <laughs> okay? That's what we getting ready to do. So shouts out for Hannah for not being from nobody's New York because I don't know if Pania would have made it in, in, in the concrete jungle. Okay? I don't know if she would have made it a couple of rounds. Pania would have uh, been sitting somewhere uh, uh, crisscross applesauce reevaluating her choice words and her lifestyle <laughs> when she seated at my table. But there's something about that seating at the table, crying, letting someone see the weakened parts of you, letting them see the vulnerable parts of you. It's like, listen, the whole world is your audience. Only a selected amount of people are seated at your table. Again, I truly believe that there are some that you choose to sit there and some that, you know what, they're just, they're there for the purpose of God. Whether uncomfortable or not, they are there for the purpose of God. And I need you not to keep being emotional about who's singing what, who's doing what. I need you to look across the table and say, I know why you seated here. And although you think that you're provoking me to irritation, what you don't understand is that you're provoking me to purpose. What you don't understand is that without you, I would have never thought this way. Without you, I wouldn't have got emotionally driven and, and riled up enough to even start thinking and wanting to move and walk in this way. So some Sometimes, sometimes the provoking is necessary. But how long are you going to sit there to endure that? How many children? <laughs> do, do you realize, can I just get like a little bit of like a spoiler alert, really, a little bit? Because um, of the way that I believe, I believe that Hannah could have prayed this after Pania's first child. I believe that Hannah could have... She could have prayed that particular prayer after um, after Pania's third child. Um, as soon as one of them kids would have came out with the eyes of my husband, I would have been like, okay, you know what? <laughs> no longer am I looking across the table and seeing you irritate me and seeing that that baby looks like my, mm-mm, mm-mm. We got to do something. But, but here's the thing. I, I also believe wholeheartedly that God factored that in, that God understood Hannah's threshold. Because like I said before, God could have gave Hannah any child. He strategically had it where the birth mother of Samuel, who was the prophet of Israel, was provoked at the right time. He knew. Because any if that prayer would have been too early, then Samuel would have been too early. And then that would have, you know, the Egyptians and all that and David being anointed and ah, you know, all of that would have had to be shifted some. But that's why I truly believe that all things work together. She was provoked at the perfect time. Because God factored all of that in. Oh, God, you're just so dope. And we don't even <laughs> we don't even give you enough credit. And so the whole table thing just kept coming to mind. Right. And I'm just like, mm, where else have I heard table? And the Holy Spirit was like, I want you to go back to the one verse that your grandmother made you memorize. I said, sir, are you talking about Psalm 23? He said, for shizzle. I said, holy nizzle. <laughs> Stop playing. So um, Psalm 23, but this time I'm going to read it in the NIV. Okay. Flow with me. One, the Lord is my shepherd. Can we pause there? Because everybody knows that part. Because you a spiritual grandbaby if you know that part. Look at you quoting scripture. Okay, little deacon and deaconesses. Now let's go back. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. 
I lack nothing. Mm, I can't even get past that. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. How many times do you walk around life looking at what you don't have and, and making yourself, persuading yourself to believe if I had fill in the blank, I would be further on. I would be a little bit more fill in the blank. You allowed yourself to persuade yourself to believe that you lack something as a part of God's plan. I don't want you to ever listen to me, Claire. Turn me up in your ear if you need to. I don't want you to ever, ever from this day forward be your own serpent. The serpent in Eden went to Eve and said, you lack something. That's why you should eat that particular fruit. Because if you eat that particular fruit, then you will be more like God. See, he don't want you to. And he persuaded her to believe that she lacked something and blinded her completely in that she had everything she needed. Do not be your own serpent. When you start to make yourself believe what you currently have isn't enough. That God can't do more abundantly like he said he would with what you have. That your situation is a little bit more different than 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 the other person to your left or to your right. Mm-mm. Do I I bind that serpent whisper in your ear in the name of Jesus, and I throw it back into the pit of hell where it belongs. It started in the garden, but it ends with you. It ends with you. Your bloodline won't experience that no more. No more tormented thoughts. No more, ooh, but you know what? I would No, we don't wish upon any star. We have a Savior that gave you exactly what you needed at the time that you accepted your salvation. And so you lack nothing. You lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. You better write that down longhand. That was for you. I ain't going to hold you. Two, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Three, he refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his namesake. Four, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Five. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Six, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Five, going back to five, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You mean to tell me that God's not going to make it where everyone at your table is for you? No. You mean to tell me that he knows certain people are out to get you, whispering about you, putting rumors out, trying to stop your promotion, and he going to let them sit there comfortably? Yes. You mean to tell me that God knows where he has purpose for you, and he going to let them just keep emotionally antagonizing you, provoking you to irritation, but yet allow them to be uh, on seers to what God has for you? Yes, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. But don't stop reading it. That's not the (laughs) that's the first part of that verse. What's the second part you ask? You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Let me explain something to you. 
<laughs> we getting ready to have good table manners. <laughs> we getting ready to turn this whole thing around. Let me explain something to you. You can no longer sit at the table of my life and think that you're going you gonna to be comfortable and I'm going to be uncomfortable. No, no, no. See, here's what we're going to do. I know that you were seated, seated here because you thought like, oh, I'm going to provoke her to be irritated. I, I know you thought you were seated here so you can keep a, a eyes view on what's going on with me and you can go back and run tell that. I know you thought that maybe with you sitting here, I would be discouraged because you know what? I'm not going to make bold decisions with you in my life because you're constantly going to be the person that always gives the other side of it or playing devil's advocate. I know you thought that you derailing me was going to be the ultimate thing, but what you don't understand is that what you say is not the final word. God has the final say. So here's what we're going to do. When you sit at the table of my life, okay, when you sit at the table of my life, you're about to be uh, uncomfortable. Plot twist. You're about to be uncomfortable because what happens now is you forgot that when you sit here, this is my life. When you sit here, this is my table. When you sit here, you have to also see God anoint me and you got to see it overflow and you got to see the blessings come down and you got to see the heaven opens up over my head and what you get is nothing but to witness the greatness that God is doing in my life oh we getting ready to, we we getting ready to go ahead and switch table manners all this time Hannah you sitting there crying because Pania has more children than you you sitting there crying because you don't have a double portion of what she has you sitting there crying mm -mm. you scared to go ahead and walk through the valley you have to walk through the valley why because Psalm 23 says that at the end of that valley matter of fact in the midst of that valley that's the table there's the table and who's at the table everyone who counted you out <laughs> everyone who thought oh she wasn't gonna make it <laughs> Everyone that was like, bro, you see his uh past record? He ain't going to do nothing with that. Oh, God can't do nothing with that. Everybody who thought that you was just going to be at that level and that's it. Everybody thought that you was stagnant and you thought that it was stability, but God went ahead and blew your own mind. Oh, who's at that table? But guess what? Good table manners. You know what we about to do? Plot twist. You going to have to sit here. And when you tell my story, you going to have to tell what God did with his glory too. You going to have to go ahead and tell what he's doing within me. You going to have to sit there and be like, you you know what? I'm blown away. And actually what may happen is you seeing my life may make you a believer. Perhaps God is using that for his glory. I need you. I need you to turn this situation around. There better not be another person who is seated at the table of your life and they are more in control of the table than you are. How? Mm -mm. We go, they can't be more comfortable than you. No, no, we can ready to switch this around. Sir, I apologize. You can ready to be real uncomfortable because this glow up from this oil, like you have no idea. Like you thought that this shine was something. You never seen me anointed. You see me when I was down. You see me when I have a lot. You see me when the finances was looking funny. You see me and you sat there at, at my table like it was a cliffhanger. Like God was going to have you at the edge of my seat being, uh, what, what is it? Like you sitting in a, in a theater. And being entertained at my demise? Did you think that that was the kind of God that I serve? Did you think that my Savior was going to allow for me to be your entertainment? No, this is not a laughing matter. This is purpose. I'm not going to let you provoke me no more to anything that looks like I'm going anywhere but up. You understand? Like, um, did you hear that? Ching, ching. The price just went up. So when you sit here, if you choose to sit here, I'm going to make it so uncomfortable for you that you're going to have to tell my story just the way that God wanted it to be, a part of his glory. Oh, we getting ready to switch some stuff around. <laughs> we getting ready to turn it around. Listen, 
at this point, I'm not even no longer trying to control who sits at my table. There was once a time that I was like, nope, if such and such don't, nope. And, and I'm, I'm over here trying to turn tables around and mm-mm. Make it where it's comfortable to me. But what I realize is if you only have a table of people who clap for you, then who else is going to be those who go back to tell your story? Like when when God, when, when Jesus was, um, you remember the dude in the Bible where uh, he was in the cemetery and, and he was cutting himself and nobody could control him and they were scared of him? But um, a long way out, he ran over to Jesus and was like, why'd you come to tour me? Like, what's going on? And he freed him. That was the dude that was housing Legion. Who ran back and told everybody what happened? The people who counted him out, right? Come on, Holy Spirit. The people who counted him out, right? So you mean to tell me the word spreads faster when they were against you? <laughs> Plot twist. <laughs> Do you understand? Do you understand what I'm trying to say to you? Like, yo, we we so we only want the people. Mm-mm, I only want the people who clap for me. But you know what? I need you. We also going to invite the people who clap back. Because when we clap back, listen, it's a different table now. <laughs> it's a different table now. You never seen me anointed like this. You never seen me driven like this. You never seen me purposed like this. You never seen it. You saw me provoked. But did you see me purposed? Not yet plot twist <laughs> let's go ahead and make this happen shall we um do you understand what i'm saying i'm looking at you like this and i'm and i'm speaking to you with this vigor because i need for you to get it in your soul it's one thing for you to hear a thing that's cute it's another thing to go ahead and ingest it to the point that in your being and it's coming out your pores like you eat breathes like everything about you is like uh, I don't you smell like outside <laughs> you, you but it's not outside this time it's um you smell different you walk you're walking different your aura is different yeah like something about the way because the shift is happening from the inside out for every supervisor that thought they was gonna write you up and hold you back <laughs> for every supervisor who thought I'm not gonna let you go ahead and get this information <laughs> um for every supervisor that purposely had the crab in a, in, in a barrel type of mentality for for every um for every job that said no for every um sorry and wish you on your endeavors we regret to inform shouts out to y'all <laughs> for every time that you try to apply to something and they told you no thanks cool uh-huh. Yeah, you at the table too. Mm-hmm. For every person who overlooked you because you wasn't enough for them to go to the next level with. You wasn't enough for them to be, um, you know, to have that intimate relation with. I don't know, you just, you know, you either got friend zoned or they either uh, went ahead and was just overlooked you because they, they didn't see what God saw in you. But it's okay because I see what God didn't see in you. <laughs> you understand? Like we getting ready to have a whole different kind of, listen, everyone's invited. Everyone's invited. And as a matter of fact, I now understand why he said, I am going to prepare a table in the presence of your enemies. You too, Pania. You too, supervisor. You too, dude, uh, ma'am from my past. You too, family member. <laughs> Smiling in my face and you greasy in your heart. I see you. <laughs> yeah, you too. A- everybody who thought. Yeah, the friend who doesn't know that I don't know that you're not the friend that you thought I thought I thought you were. Mm, okay, great. Psalms twenty three five. 
You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Don't you dare be scared. Another iota to have people at the seat, the table of your life and wonder, are they there to harm me? Mm-mm. They are there for um, commentator purposes only. So when they run tell that, they got to tell the glow up too. Yeah, we're going to have different table manners. My challenge to you, you already got it. You already got it. I believe wholeheartedly when I was speaking to you, you knew exactly. You were like, mm, that's it. Yep, because that's how, that's how the Holy Spirit rocks. Mm-hmm. But I feel like you got what you needed. Mm-hmm, of course I do. Um, You know what kind of conversations these are, right? Yeah, life-provoking conversations. Good job. Conversations that... Who but your favorite homegirl? Mm-hmm. Nobody else is going to have this with you. Nobody else. I promise. Um, I'm on fire. <laughs> I'm speaking calm because I actually want to go run four laps around um, somebody's church. And I'm excited. I'm excited for the way that you are now going to show up at the own, at your own table. I'm excited for the way that you feel once God anoints you in front of these people. But more importantly, I'm excited for the new table manners you learned. You feel me? All right. I'm going to go ahead and let you let me go. I'll talk to you later. Later.